0: to the Personal Profitability Podcast, where you learn how to earn income, live better, and put your money to work for you. Here's your guide on your path to personal profitability.
1: Eric Rosenberg. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, welcome back to the Personal Profitability Podcast. So one thing that I like to think about, you know, when I, when I'm out there is how do I connect with media? How do I try to get my brand out there as Eric Rosenberg, as personal profitability? And you know, working with the media can be a challenge. It can be tough, it can be mysterious. Um you know, I've done a few news spots here and there, but I'm definitely no expert in PR. But those news sources, you know, they reach millions and millions, sometimes tens of millions, hundreds of millions of people. So having a good relationship and knowledge of how to work with the media is really important in trying to build any business or brand. And I have an expert with us on the line, my friend Josh Elledge, who I've met, uh, met at FinCon. We crossed paths there, but we really got to know each other better last year in Chicago at Podcast Movement, which um, how fitting it is that he is here today with us on a podcast. So say hi to everyone, Josh. Hey, and we both, we're, we're both uh, reformed DJs. Yes, totally. If you go to, uh, if, if you've never seen it, listeners, it's uh, DJYofi.com is actually was where I started my first podcast before this one ever existed. So uh, when, when all my personal finance friends were like, oh, how do I start a podcast? I'm like, oh, yeah, that's old news. I had a DJ podcast like three years ago, which in podcast huh. age makes me like 75, I think. <laughs> you're you're a granddaddy of podcasting if you extend uh, to three years or later and i'm, I'm kind of curious i want to go pull it up and see what maybe may even longer i go like 2011 i think i put up my first uh first podcast episode of the uh, dj yofi's yofi cast nice very nice <laughs> so uh so josh tell us how how did you get into this whole pr gig how did that start yeah uh yes so about uh so right out of high school. And
0: uh you know I was really interested in journalism in high school but I, I actually had the opportunity to serve in the United States Navy as a navy journalist and uh, particularly uh broadcast journalism um so pens and um, keyboards to, instead of guns and bullets. That's right. I was a <laughs> trained killer with a typewriter. <laughs> uh so I I spent 3 years in Hawaii and uh did video news uh, for nice. a worldwide army navy or not army navy but um navy marine corps news program and so we would submit uh you know anything that the u.s navy was doing in the hawaiian islands and then my last year in the navy i got to actually be a morning show dj so it was very much like good morning vietnam kind of adrian Cronauer, who i actually met if you saw saw that movie with um
1: with Robin Williams. Did you and, ever try um, the Wa- Robin Williams line and get up and be like, Good morning, Hawaii, or something like you that? You know,
0: <laughs> everybody always asked me that. And I'm like, Ah, you know, it just feels like, I don't know. I, I crave authenticity. And so, you know, I, I look, I think it's fun to, you know, to celebrate somebody else's thing. But, you know, I think it's maybe it's kind of like the DJ in me, right? Like, you don't want to take anyone else's style. You want to be original. So I resisted the urge to do, <laughs> in that case, it was out in the Aleutian Islands where I was a DJ. It doesn't roll out of your your tongue Good morning, ADAC, Alaska.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, see, so this... But, 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 yes, continuing
0: on the story because it doesn't end there. Uh, So, after after the Navy, I went to school to become a family therapist because I actually wanted to be one of those love doctors on the radio. And, uh, but I got distracted with the whole internet thing and started doing internet development, internet marketing. And at one point, actually started a blog long before they were called blogs, alongside a small town newspaper, which is a horrible business to start. But uh, it did get me a lot of experience. And along the way, came up with the idea for a company called Savings Angel, simply because I was in a position where my dear wife and I were trying to find ways that we could save money in our budget. And saving money at the grocery store seemed to make a lot of sense. And I studied all the experts and, you know, came up with the realization that really, there's only two ways if you want to save a lot of money at the grocery store, or just feeding your family. Number one is you can grow all your own food. And that might be a reality for some people, it just was not realistic for me. The other way is that you can be really smart about how you buy your food and that you take advantage of every discount that's available to you. So you want to take advantage of retailer discounts and you want to take advantage of manufacturer discounts. It's like those extreme So this would be sales. TV, right? This would be sales and coupons. And you stack them together and that's where you get the biggest savings. So you end up getting Groceries for pennies on the dollar if you do it right. So we just came up with technology that would do all that work for you. So you could say, well, I love to shop at this store. So just show me all the best deals and then alert me if you ever find something really, really good. And we created a lot of technology that would do that. That was 10 years ago that we started this company, Savings Angel. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary and we've done well. I mean, we've done well over $5 million in sales and we've spent and this is crazy, but we have spent, Eric, less than $500 in advertising for Savings Angel. So, and cool. in, in, you know, and I know that to create success in business, exposure is everything. So, I just simply used my background in working in journalism and PR. And I said, well, I'm just going to go and I'm going to serve audiences and do that through the media. And that's how we've been able to uh, grow Savings Angel. So today, I'm a syndicated newspaper columnist to over a million readers every week. I do a syndicated TV segment in 75 cities throughout the country, two to four times a month. And then uh, locally here in Orlando, Florida, I've been on TV probably more than 600 times now. (laughs)
1: So all told, over 1500 times I've appeared in the media. So when you're walking down the street in Orlando, do people ever say, oh, you're that finance guy from TV? Yep, I do. Yeah, it's kind of
0: cool. Like it's it's usually happens at like restaurants or like if I'm out shopping, like people come up and like, hey, you're that angel guy, that angel savings guy. They always screwed up (laughs) to angel saving guy. And uh, yeah, lots of savings. One angel.
1: (laughs) That's me. So, if someone were let's say you know, I, I live in a small market, I'm about an hour from Los Angeles, and our uh our t v station here is shared with the kind of the Santa Barbara region mm-hmm. so let's say there's someone like me lives in a you know small to mid sized market, wants to connect with the media, wants to try to get my name out there and brand out there before I try to you know pitch the big dogs, how yeah. would you suggest someone get started trying to work with and connect with the media you know. This is real. And and, and
0: someone who's listening to this, I, I want you to know that what I'm about to share with you is 20 plus years of trial and error. It's 20 plus years of experience. And it is also the culmination of my frustration with the PR industry, who is really, really great at extracting billable hours from startups, but really just doesn't have a clue when it comes to what startups need. What startups generally need is we want to make sure that we're collecting return on investment from our work. Now, and and it's not their fault. There are some really good agencies out there, but most agencies are just relying on what they're taught in college. And it's corporate PR. It's 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 enterprise level PR, and it's really great for long term brand building. But honestly, I'm not Eric. Not if you do a TV hundred
1: companies, most of us,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's that's kind of what they're trained for. Not all of them, but unfortunately, a vast majority. I blew over twenty five thousand dollars hiring PR firms when I was trying to outsource my PR, and it just it really had one frustration after another. And and I'm like, man, I have paid you now over $10,000. What do we have to show for this? And And it's like, you know, you look at it and it's like, man, that's no good. And there are a lot of reasons for that. So I really want to focus now, if I were to give the absolute most valuable advice I could, here it is. Number one, when you do any work with the media, you have to understand that they are exceptionally busy. So they have to be very judicious and who they interact with. And this is the same for any influencer. So I don't care if, you know, you could care less about traditional newspapers or TV or radio or whatever, or you strictly want to work with influencers. They're all going to pay attention to this this same principle. And that is, is that the more important you are, the more seriously you're going to be treated. And so when you reach out, I want to make sure that you're responded to favorably. So what this means is that we need to make sure that your image, your branding, the perception of who you are online communicates high authority. Because I've, I've talked with a lot of business owners who have said, well, Josh, I tried PR and it didn't work. And I said, well, really? I'm sorry to hear that. What, what did you do? What, what, do, you know, what happened? And they said, well, I emailed all these journalists or all, all these people and nobody emailed me back. They wouldn't even tell me why they weren't emailing me back. And so generally comes to the same thing that you and I do when we get an email and we don't really necessarily know the person, but we're going to try and figure out who they are very quickly. And it's going to be based on some very superficial things. You know, we're going to look at the content of the email. We're going to look at, you know, was it professionally communicated? And then if it is, then we're going to look them up. And so there's a couple of things that we do. Number one is we go to their website. So if your website looks like it was designed in 2014 and it's not responsive, it's not professional, it doesn't clearly look like you take that part of your business seriously. That is a red flag and it's not going to rule you out, but it's definitely something that is probably just decreased your chance of success by a good
1: 15, 20 percent. And we say that on this uh, podcast many times. You know, your website is so important I actually just my it most is. recent uh, a recent blog post I put out is um talks all about why I spent a thousand dollars to get eric rosenberg.com to have my mm-hmm. own place that everyone could go and quickly find me so I I can't stress yeah. how important what Josh just said is even if you're not trying to do PR if you want to succeed in any sort of business you have to have a quality website that's just you're being judged harshly of, and you're being judged. Yeah, within 5-10 seconds. I
0: mean, it's, that's how quickly you're being judged. And, and and you've probably gotten those emails, you take a look at their
1: website, and you're like, I'm sorry, I just don't have time, right? I probably but get if, 5 if it, or 10 of those a day. It's, uh, what's that again? I, we probably, you know, I get like 5 or 10 of those a day. So, yeah. and I imagine the, the media is getting, what, 10 times what I get. Oh, inundated. Not, you know, thousands yeah. a day, whatever. So, it's a very important
0: Yeah. So influencers get hit up all the time. And influencers sometimes say yes. Influencers a lot of times say no. And so here's here's the analogy. And and here's how it comes. Here's what it comes down to. Let me share the other two things real quick. And then I'll I'll loop back and take a deeper dive into the things that you need to fix so that your PR works a lot better for you. And then I want to go through a little experiment just to kind of prove my point here. Number two, by the way, is your digital reputation. That's your Google search results it really matters. Um, You can Google my name. I'm sure you can Google Eric's name. And you're going to find some pretty good stuff. Because I know, Eric, that you're very, very big on serving audiences through digital platforms. That's really all you have to do to improve your digital reputation is just just be a good person and do a lot of good to digital audiences. And Google will reward
1: you for that. And the best way to get rewarded there, I'd say, you know, help people. If you help people, people will want to link to you. And that is what Google looks at. So be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's
0: exactly it. And and I could spend like a whole hour talking about that principle of, you know, be you know, kind of the go-giver philosophy to doing business. It it might feel like it takes a little bit longer in the beginning, but trust me when I say that after a year or two of just serving audiences, you're never gonna have to work a day in your life. I mean, opportunities will come to you. And you, everybody will just say yes to you. If you are perceived of to be a thought leader and you, you have products and services that are available for audiences, then you'll make money. But you just have to work on being a thought leader first and then everything else will fall into place. Eric, I want to share number three real quick, and that is um, your social media. And in terms of working with the media, it's important that you have a, you know, you have a professional LinkedIn profile because that's kind of like your digital, re- you know, your digital resume. Other than that, I don't really care about like your size of your followers or engagement or any of that stuff. Just make sure that that's complete. But the number one go-to platform, and this is so critical, I don't care if you hate this platform or not, you need to use it smartly, is Twitter. Twitter is where 95% of journalists actively hang out and connect. And this will replace what you normally had to spend thousands of dollars to a PR firm for because they largely... New a way to get past the gatekeeper. Okay. Through Twitter, you get past through any gatekeeper. You could speak directly with anyone you want. But again, if your Twitter is pretty amateur and you only have like 20 followers, it's, you know, y- y'all get it. Y'all, everyone's got to start from somewhere. But again, you're going to be judged harshly, if you just don't have your stuff together. So, um, and, and Eric, um, for the person who listens to this entire conversation, by the way, I I will have a gift. We, I actually teach Twitter for publicity, um, in, in an e-course and I normally sell the video program for $99, um, for someone who, and you uh, don't skip you, I don't want you to miss anything, but at the end of our conversation, I'm happy to give that away for free. And I'll give a special URL, secret URL that someone can enter in and they can actually get that for free.
1: That's awesome. Thank, and thank you for on behalf of all of the listeners for that. That's an awesome gift.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And and it's not a salesy thing or anything like that. It just really it, I, I just want people to be very, very successful at this. I, I practice what I preach. I, <laughs> I give, give, give. And you know what? Those who see something or there's an opportunity where they can kind of take the next step or they want to speed up the process. That's where, you know,
1: if you've just sown enough seeds, the right people will will step forward and they'll want to work with you. So when you see your Twitter account, you obviously sound super important. Do you email the, you know, the news tip line or something? Or do you just try to pick a journalist that you think is someone who would be good to work with and try to network with them on Twitter?
0: Yeah, there's a number of ways that you can do this. Now, if, if you are working with a PR firm, like we use a lot of tools that, that really speed up the process and, and can really kind of make connections a lot faster. Uh, and and that's fine, you can work with us, and we can help you with that, or if you just want to do it yourself for free, yeah, even if you don't like Twitter, take it seriously and what I want you to do is focus on the relationship first, and then you know again work on your reputation on Twitter as well and then once that's uh done, then I want you to focus on kind of getting on uh you know make a small list of influencers that you really would like to connect with, make a separate Twitter list and follow them specifically because twitter is generally a mess like if you just have a feed of like you know 800 followers or something it's just going to be a big mess of like just a bunch of stuff (laughs) what was that it's like the fire hose of the it it really is yeah but you just get blasted by so much stuff uh, constantly exactly so you have to make a couple of drinking fountains using that analogy (laughs) you have to make a couple of drinking fountains for yourself and you'll do that with creating a separate twitter list and fill it with i would say local media that you want to connect with industry media that you want to connect with, maybe podcasters or digital media that you want to connect with and put them all in separate lists. And that way, it's much easier for you to keep tabs on what they're talking about and working on. And then what I want you to do is I want you to favorite, like, respond and retweet. But don't be creepy. Like, don't go overboard. Just like, be cool. Be like the Fonz and just like occasionally, you know, chime in and find. do it in a way where people will say oh, that was pretty cool of you thank you so much for that and then eventually you will then make yourself known as a thought leader or subject matter expert for your area of expertise and that's where then amazing things will start to happen for you in, in,
1: uh, in, in working with the media so do you when you when you say you know what what kinds of things should you write to these journalists or, or media personalities?" should you You know, just compliment them on what they've done or should you try to give feedback or try to ask questions and interact? What's the best way to get their attention in a positive way?
0: Yeah, all of these things are actually what you just listed there, Eric. Someone can just hit the 30 second back button and go listen (laughs) to that because all of those things will work. You know, again, if, if you make them look good by retweeting their stuff along with your own comments, don't just hit retweet and say nothing. Like hit retweet and add some comments so that they can see that. Otherwise, like as I'm going through like all my notifications on Twitter, I really don't pay attention to the ones who just retweet without saying anything. But if they add to the conversation in an intelligent way, I'll say, Hey, thank you. That was very cool. Thanks for retweeting that. And then of course, adding to that you know, and we engage a little bit. And so now they're on my radar. Same thing. You know, and again, I do this as a, um as a journalist, but this is what they're going to do as well. And then, you know, this would be an opportunity for you to support, endorse and chime in with maybe a different point of view or a, 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 a complimentary point of view. Uh, or you might want to without kind of getting into a, A competition thing, but maybe you've blogged on this topic, what I want you to do is position yourself as an authority, who has a unique point of view. And also, the journalists and influencers that you connect with, largely are going to be niched in certain things. Now, it might be more general, you know, you might cover a specific industry, or you might cover a very specific part of Whatever larger industry you work in. And so, what I want you to think of yourself is as is the kind of the bird dog that's going to be out there looking for great story ideas. And then you just want to offer those story ideas to your journalist friends. This, Eric, everything I've shared with you, by the way, none of this has cost you a dime. Is it work? Yeah, it's a little bit of work. Uh, Is it worth it? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Because You know and I know that if you, you know, in the olden days, you get on Oprah's favorite things or, you know, you get like a major, major, major influencer to promote your product or service, it's going to be really great. Now, Eric, this is the most important part and it's so important for the marketer who's listening to us right now. You need to take your marketing hat, you need to take it off and you need to set it on the shelf. You need your sales. If you have sales on your breath. When you're communicating with influencers, forget it. They're going to smell that a mile away. You need to think first about how can I serve this influencer? How can I serve their audience? And you know what's going to happen? Professionals will reciprocate. But you have to give them the space to reciprocate. If they ask you, like like if you're pitching them on anything, like uh, guest bloggers, oh my gosh, please enough with it. But you know, if you were offering to be helpful in some way, I want you to say the words, I don't need anything or need anything in response. It's just an honor to be able to serve your audience because I've gotten so much value from you. That's exactly the approach I've taken with a number of very, very big influencers. And you, know, you just serve first and, and give them the space to reciprocate. Professionals will reciprocate. But again, you got to give them the space to do that.
1: Oh, well, that's awesome! So I want to kind of twist the conversation a little, ask you some more questions about your background. So you, di- after college, you, you went into the military. Did you yep. have other day jobs, or were you just pretty much always in the world of media?
0: Well, right, I mean, or did you I've have always, day so, jobs in the right world of out of media? college? I worked in corporate America for just a few years in internet development, and that was good. I, like I got kind of a foundation, but you know, I, I've always been a business owner at heart. My dad is a business owner. He's a uh, technician, so he's got his own business where he repairs music equipment and DJ equipment, in fact, and oh, you funny. know all sorts yeah. of like sound uh, sound gear. I have and he he does uh, well.
1: Monitors? Does he want to you know fix that? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that I happens stuff when and you're. Dan always bills yeah. me
1: out. <laughs> yeah. when, you, when you take your living room DJ equipment to a house party, uh, sometimes you leave with blown out speakers. That's oh I, that's gosh, that
0: happened to me, but. Yep. Uh,
1: and, you know, it was fun. It was a good time.
0: Yeah, Got right. Got a out of it. <laughs> you know, my, so my dad is a uh, business owner. My grandma owns a health food store. Um, she's a business owner. My great, uh, so her dad owned a, a general store. <laughs> now we're, were going to start getting old timey here because my great, great granddaddy, and listen to this name, Amos Elledge. Isn't that an old timey name
1: or what? I mean, that, he sounds he, like a settler.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He sold blocks of ice. He was a proprietor. I was doing some family history and on a census report, he was a proprietor in an ice business and he sold blocks of ice
1: door to door or something like that. I mean, it's just like in my blood. That was a, a big deal business. I, my, I used to work for seven summers. I was on staff at a boy scout camp and our property that I was on was about, about an hour drive outside of Denver and there was an ice house on the property that had been there since—I mean, who knows when? Probably sometime in the early 1800s. And oh my gosh! It was the the camp was on the highway that was one of the major routes in from Kansas to Denver. So oh. there was there was a train track, and it would stop there at the ice house, so they could get the ice for the refrigerated goods because you couldn't just plug into an outlet back then.
0: Yeah, no, no. I I don't know how well he did, but I know that he at least tried. You know, my dad and grandma have each done pretty well. And my uh, great, great, I guess it's great or great, great granddad. Obviously, I think he did pretty well with his general store and sold candy. You know, it's one of those stores where he sold candies to kids, you know, for two for a penny kind of thing. You know, it's one, one of those deals. Got
1: entrepreneurship in your blood. Yeah. So how what was it like when you left that day job? Is that when you went to the military or did you try to jump no. into self-employment first? Military first. And let me tell you. If you know a veteran, I believe
0: that those who have served have a little bit of a personality perk, uh, I think, when it comes to being successful as an entrepreneur. Because, Eric, you know and I know that the, the one trait that you need to succeed in business is grit. Like you have to be able to do the thing that other people are not willing to do when it gets hard. You need to be able to say it doesn't matter what the odds are. It doesn't matter how difficult this is. The mission has to get done. And that's exactly what you get, you know, pounded into your head over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if you don't, you know, I don't care if you're not, you don't get to sleep for two, three days, you're still going to get this done. And that's kind of the mentality that you get, you know, going through basic training. And even in journalism school, we believe it or not, we had hell week in journalism school where we were only able to sleep. Well, at least in my case, you know, I only two nights out of the week, I got to sleep And uh, the other nights, you know, maybe like three to four hours, five hours, I think. So, you know, how do you perform under all of that stress? And so, you know, if you can do that and you intentionally put yourself in very challenging circumstances and you hearken back and you say, you know what, if I can jump out of an airplane and and parachute, if I can get over this fear or that fear or persevere in, in the face of adversity, if I can do that, I can do anything. And so you know it it kind of lends itself too to the belief like for example with Savings Angel obviously you know we've done well we've made seven figures in a year I've done it before I can do it again and so with Upend PR my new brand we're very much on that track I want to build a new type of agency where in PR it's kind of unheard of most agencies like to have you know maybe like Five to eight really big clients, and enjoy the gravy train. Me, I want to have over a hundred clients all paying me a thousand dollars or less. But we make such a dramatic impact in the world that you know that, that that we've really, really, you know, made a name for ourselves in that regard and served a, cl- a client base that just doesn't really exist.
1: Yeah, that's great. So, uh, and as, as you were saying earlier, you know, a lot of these big PR firms cost, you know, tens of thousands of dollars. Yep. If oh, you sure. Want to even get them to look at you. And, uh, so, so having something for, for the rest of us is, uh, is an awesome opportunity. Uh, so, so you, and I actually also, you know, just another thought based, on, you, you were saying military veterans have, have that kind of twinkle of, uh, being able to do it. Not twinkle is not maybe the right word. But, um,
0: All of a sudden, the, the masculine side of me said, mmm, twinkle?
1: Who are you saying? T- who are you calling twinkle a, toes over I there? I have a one-year-old daughter. These kinds of <laughs> words come out of my mouth now. Yeah. Um, but when I was in my MBA program about 10 years ago, oh yeah, that, that makes me feel a little old now. I'm like a dad and did something 10 years ago in graduate school. So we had, uh, you know, there were quite a few veterans in my MBA program and the few times that i worked with veterans on group team projects mm-hmm. you know, they were always awesome teammates and they they did their part they did a great job they drove for success and you know, following them on you know what we've all done post mba a lot of them have been very successful so that's a, it was an yeah. awesome An awesome thing to hear you say. And another note is, uh, yeah, you know, business can be hard. Um, you know, it's,
0: uh, and, and, you know, I've got, I'm sure you've got friends that are, that are totally not entrepreneurial. Right. And so you talk to them about what your lifestyle is like, and, you know, you can see them shudder sometimes when they're like, oh my gosh, I could never do that. You know, how could you be in a position where it's possible, you know, yeah, you could make five figures in one month, but then like $0 or negative dollars the next. So I'm like, ah, you know, it's like you can see them just like I, start to sweat for you. You know, thinking that about
1: that a couple that. months ago with taxes. I had a yeah. yeah, five figure a month, one month, and then the next month yep. I was like, oh, quarterly taxes are due. And yep. uh, that ate up my entire next month's income and then yep. some, but I'd been saving for it. So it wasn't a huge deal. Yeah. Because uh, that's part of planning for business. So, mm-hmm, exactly yeah, that's it, it, true there's, there's risk it, it's scary I mean, the biggest risk i probably ever took maybe in my life was you know i had a six-month-old baby and mm-hmm. a mortgage mm-hmm. and a wife who mm-hmm. was a stay-at-home mom and i said i quit uh this is my this is the end and that Oof. that was a huge risk you know, I, I walked i walked away from a steady income and good health insurance and 401k matching and employee stock purchase plan and free coffee in the uh, in break room, you know, those important perks you get as a, as a corporate <laughs> employee. But, uh, but I went around and, and now I make, you know, easily 50% more every month, sometimes double or triple what I made before. Yeah. So yeah, it, absolutely. it was all worth it. And when you read about all these people who took all these risks, it took me years to get up the courage to do that. You know, I'd even at one point lost a job and said, okay, this is it. I'm going full time. And um, then, you know, opportunity came through a linkedin message actually and and it was a raise with better hours and a better boss closer mm. to home, so I thought this is uh someone upstairs giving me a message I need to take this job but uh it's um it definitely business is a huge risk and you sometimes you fail sometimes you succeed but it's uh you know you don't know unless you try and that's mm. such a huge part of it so speaking of of successes and failures you mentioned you had a um one point spent twenty five thousand dollars on something that that panned out to just about nothing. I was, would you say that was your biggest business investment failure or something you've tried?
0: No, you know, um, I'll tell you what my biggest failure was was not with Savings Angel. Savings Angel, uh, we've been very blessed. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I, I never want to say, you know, that that we rose quickly and and effortlessly because that's absolutely not the case. I mean, I worked 18 hour days for the first six months, probably. And, uh, you know, did so while doing a lot of volunteer work as well. And, but, you know, you just, that's what it requires. You know, if you're stagnant in business, oftentimes all it takes to kind of break through that cycle is an investment. Either you, you do a massive investment of time and effort, or you do an investment in getting experts to help you out and speed up the process. Because a lot of times, you know, we're just doing our thing and, you know, we need a fresh set of eyes, we need someone who's been down the road a little bit uh, further. And, and I've done that. The biggest failure, though, I would say would be when I owned a newspaper, which is a hard business by itself. But I also had a really big fear of sales. And, and it was really because even though I believed in my product, I felt that sales was really convincing was was all about just convincing people to give you their money. And to try and talk them into stuff, and so because I had such a fear of being inauthentic, I feel like it was really difficult for me to do that. So I would always outsource sales and you know really, kind of like the growth of the business. I, I kept on trying to give that to other people, and what ended up happening is we ended up failing spectacularly because I was just afraid of the the things that were uncomfortable to
1: me. And so, so, you know, hearing ended up your to, personality today, hearing you say that you were afraid to make a sale yeah. was a little, might, might surprise people, a little surprising to me. But, uh, oh, so, it was so, it, but that was absolutely
0: where I was at the time. You know, even though I had a, a bit of an outgoing personality, I've always had a bit of an outgoing personality, but it was just this fear of, of, uh, you know, it's like the same reason why, you know, even though I was outgoing, When it came to, you know, talking to girls at the time, you know, and I was, you know, dating and that sort of thing, I was just, I just froze for some reason. And, you know, it's kind of like that same thing. So I, you know, part of my experience is I did, I did marketing and I did this for five years for a network of law firms where I was forced to sell and learn sales. And, you know, constantly just, you know, man, t- you know, just listen to audiobooks and selling, um, and just, just do it day in and day out and really put myself in an uncomfortable position and intentionally do so. And as I did that, I got better and better at the process until I finally realized, wait a minute. This has nothing to do with convincing at all. This has to do with just helping people and serving people. And you know what? Sometimes it's a match. Sometimes it's not. And so. You know, um, I was just matter of fact, I was just in the process of buying a new car, a newer car. Are you kidding? I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm not that (laughs) foolish with my money, but a newer car. uh, And, you know, going through the process, you know, just talking with salespeople, I said, look, you know, I've worked in sales and marketing my whole life. Don't sell. Just be my friend. Help me come to a decision that may or may not be that I'm buying a car for you. But you know what? Serve as a resource. And, you know, just, you know, let me know what the greatest value that you could provide me is. And if it's not me, maybe it's a position where I can refer you to somebody. And but you know, at the end of the day, you know, I, I am, there's only one outcome if you if, if someone tries doing, you know, boiler rooms, strong arm sales tactics on me. And that is, is that not only are you going to make a non customer, you're going to make an anti customer, we're just in the day. Eric, you, you, I'm sure you agree that just that day is over. We have the internet now. We're in the information age. And so people can really, really easily learn and study for themselves. And yeah, I don't know if the
1: wolf of Wall Street would have been able to pull off his amazing no. feat he did today. People yeah. would be able to see right through it. You, you type Absolutely. a few words in Google and you know everything you need to know about a guy.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So the best thing to do is just serve people, and you know what? It's if you wake up in the morning and your first question in your mind is, "Oh, who am I going to sell to today?" Because I need to make money. That's a that's a hard way to do business, and I know what it's like. I trust me, I know full well what it's like to be stressed financially. But you gotta find a way to relax on that. You gotta, you you gotta wake up and the first thing in your mind needs to be, who can I serve today? And if you ask that question, it's like just stuff like good stuff just happens. And you know, when you, when you don't put yourself in a position where you worry about the money, but you just, you go and you do good stuff and you serve audiences and and you just provide the most amount of value possible. You're going to get tons of referrals. You're going to get tons of people who when they ask a question, Hey, who knows about PR and getting in the media? And then all of a sudden, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, three, four people say, Oh yeah, Josh is your guy. And that's like so cool when that happens, but it takes, it takes effort to get there.
1: So, so so now you, you, so you had the failed newspaper, then you (laughs) had the success with savings angel. Is that what, what sparked you to do what you're doing right now? How did that click into your head? Yeah, so
0: Savings Angels, you know, doing well. And I I love the work that I get to do, you know, my, in terms of what I spend my time doing over there is I'm just a media guy. And so I'm just actively in the media. And yeah, i making some decisions in terms of the business. But that's pretty much it. And everything else just kind of runs itself. And and a couple of years, actually, a few years ago, I uh, actually spoke on the topic of how to get media to at a couple of conferences, FinCon and podcast movement, in fact, and I just started getting inundated with questions from other entrepreneurs, other business owners. And they said, well, can you help me uh do this? Can, you know, can I pay you and you can help speed up the process for me? Because I don't want to do all this myself. I said, well, yeah, I could probably do that. And, you know, that's where it's kind of like this, you know, it's like, well, if I were to do this, you know, how would you expect that this would work? Like, how much would you, you know, what would you hope that your budget would be, you know, what? and I just started formulating what a business would be. And, and I'll be honest, Eric, as much as I've done PR and as much success as I've had, I had a little bit of that imposter syndrome creep up where I was like, well, wait a minute. I, I technically, I didn't go to school to become a, a PR expert, even though I did it for five years. And then, of course, I made millions of dollars doing it for myself. But it it took a little bit of kind of overcoming some insecurities. But, you know, really entrepreneurs and startups I don't think they care so much about your education pedigree. They just want to know, can you get me results? And, you know, based on results, you know, I definitely, you know, went through the school of hard knocks and and have definitely proven myself very, very successful. So that was a couple of years ago. Launched a company called Upend PR for a couple of reasons. I want to upend the PR industry and I believe I can do it because I think it's broken. And then I also believe that we can upend Uh, miserable sales or, you know, lackluster sales or just really just kind of escalate what you're earning right now with a lot of exposure with good PR. And so our tagline really is that we turn entrepreneurs into media celebrities. And over the past two
1: years, we've developed a really good track record of it. Is there uh, are are you able to share any uh, client success stories? Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you should, you asked that. I, let me just high, let me highlight a couple of them.
0: So Mark Ferguson is with Invest4more, just you know in the personal finance. space, a couple of share share a couple of Fincon people. So Invest4more, the 4 is F-O-U-R.com. Now he's a podcaster, he's a uh, teaches real estate investing, really nice guy. Definitely a believer in the, you know, where you just serve teach first and, you know, have products and services and you'll do well. So we started working with him, started really amping up his media accessibility and making connections with him. And in one month alone, Mark was featured in the Associated Press, the Washington Post, and fifty-three other media outlets. Just from paying attention to what's going on in the news and having a voice and having a strong opinion on what that topic was. And so, in that case, he's talking about the real estate market and how
1: investors can really make out. And you know, and that's really cool if you think about it. If you you know go the Twitter route and try to connect with. Um, with with journalists and you get one success a week, Mm -hmm. he still got better than that in a month than if you got one success a week for a year. That's pretty yeah cool. and and I think of like what he now he
0: doesn't pay us a lot. I <laughs> mean, you know, all things, you know, you know, if we if we look at what typical engagement with a PR agency is, uh comparatively, he pays us very little. And that's great. That's our whole model. Our model is to create systems and not extract a bunch of billable hours. And so what we want to do is focus on making connections Make you very media savvy so that if we can make an introduction, tell you exactly what to say, exactly how to respond. Then if we can build up someone where they've got a network of say 20, 30 reporters or influencers, and then they just know the art of, you know, how to develop a pitch, how to respond, how to communicate with journalists, then, you know, they just don't need to pay three, four grand to a PR firm. Every single month, they, they can just do it themselves. Now we do use a lot of, uh, um, pricey tools. So Vocus, Scission, we've got a, a PR newswire. Uh, we do press releases from time to time. And so that really does stuff that would be very, very difficult for you to do and very costly to do on your own. So as an agency, we do a lot of volume so we can get really, really uh, low prices on that sort of stuff. So that's why you would want to use a PR firm still. But another success story would be Jen Abe from doyoubake.com.
1: And so she... I don't uh, really has don't bake very well.
0: What's I that? You know I Jen? Bake
1: on a, no, I was saying I bake oh, on you know, occasion, baking. but I do it poorly. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> she came up with...
0: Well, this might be helpful because she came up with a product where everything is kind of pre-packaged. So all you have to do is just open up the packages, throw them together and voila, you know, you have amazing um, baked goods and they're healthy too because they're like organic and all that. So she also has a really great personal story where she lost over 100 pounds and became an ultra fitness. I believe she's a, a fitness model now. And, you know, so it's a great story. She has a, She really is a great story. And, you know, in one month, we were able to get her in featured in three very uh, prominent women's magazines, including I think it was like Women's Health and several others, you know, all in her target demographic. So and that's part of it, too. It's like you you really want to focus on getting in front of the people who are ultimately going to engage with you. You know, it's fine if you want to be on the Today Show because it's a great kind of feather in your cap and it's great. Authority building, but really, I think you want to look at you know who's buying your product and service and what media did they pay attention to, and that's probably what we want to focus on.
1: That's awesome. So we're, we're nearing the end of our of our time here today. And, and earlier on, you'd mentioned some some free giveaway with a hundred dollar yeah. value. I know now I sound salesy like a commercial, but wait, there's <laughs> more. We're ninety nine ninety five. So uh, <laughs> if, if anyone wants to uh, connect with you and and find that uh, that free resource, where should they head?
0: Okay, grab a pen, write this down. It is upendpr.com slash PPP,
1: which, uh, of course, that stands for the podcast you're listening to. Personal Profitability Podcast. I like alliteration. I have the uh, Personal Profitability Playbook people can get when they sign up for the newsletter and and listen to the Personal Profitability Podcast. A lot of P's in my life, but that is a a poor choice for microphone (laughs) performance. (laughs) <laughs> yeah well huh, good huh, so huh, yeah huh. so it's upendpr.com
0: slash ppp and um it's free there's no sales it's just you know go learn twitter um, even if you hate twitter i don't care just use it as a communications platform because it's going to really make a lot of great things happen for you if you treat it seriously particularly for your own publicity
1: and your own fame and fortune and if anyone wants to connect with you on twitter facebook your, your website do. where else where should they go yeah, just Google me, Josh Ellidge.
0: Um that's a powerful statement by the way and it's one that I'll 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 help you with as uh, improving your your reputation, but uh yeah, just uh just go to upendpr.com and you'll find everything that I do. You'll learn about Savings Angel, you'll learn about all the other great stuff that we do and you know if you're serious, uh, you know if you're a startup and you're serious about um getting buzz and and getting a lot of exposure and and really driving sales and and conversions.
1: So we absolutely would be honored to be able to help you with that. Oh, well, it seems like it's time for me to, uh, to stop recording and get onto Twitter and get busy.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this, Eric. It'll be exciting to hear, uh, this experiment too. Twitter's a great tool. Uh, it can be very confusing, but uh, if you do it right, uh, amazing things can happen. I, I get a lot of sales out of Twitter as well. Most people misunderstand it. Some people master
1: it. Yeah, my uh, my wife often says, I don't get why I should use Twitter. I'm like, it's mm-hmm. like text messaging, but public. And again, she's like, well, I don't know why I should do that. I'm like, well, because you can reach so many people. Um, yeah, so you'll it give just, it a try. That's
0: Yeah, it's it's really, if you've done it right, it's kind of like speed. Ne- it's the most efficient speed networking you could possibly do.
1: And it, and it used to be that it was a place I could go and and you know, get news and things like that. And I still do a little bit from the uh you know, the trending topics, but more yeah. it's it's a way to connect with brands and people who would otherwise be not easily accessible to you. And that is something so. that's pretty darn cool. That's that's my experience of it. Well, thank you so much, Josh, for coming on and joining us. Thank you, listeners, for sticking around and listening to the end. It's been a, a pleasure learning more about your history and your story and what we can do in PR, even for free to get started on Twitter. If you're a um, a new listener or a long time listener, either way, if you think this was a five star awesome episode, please do jump on the uh, iTunes Store or Stitcher, wherever you listen to podcasts. Google Play has podcasts now. And, and leave a review. If I didn't earn five stars, let me know what I can do to make it better. Eric at personalprofitability.com or Twitter, Eric Profits. Yeah, I had to throw that one in this time. So, so again, thank you, Josh. Thank you, listeners, for sticking around till the end. And until next time, stay profitable. Thanks for listening to the Personal Profitability Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating on iTunes or share it with a friend.